episode 226 of Allied Strategies. My name is Tristan. Joining me, as always, is my friend Sam. Hello! And my friend Ben. Hello. This week we are going to do a, a, a shorter episode. This will be some quick takes. Uh, and we'll be taking next week off. Um, and then we'll be returning with episode 227, hopefully in two weeks' time. Uh, but this week we've got some... Wait, two weeks from now or two weeks from when people hear this? Two weeks from when... Wait, hang on. I... Okay, <laughs> let me pull up the calendar. Dude, time shifting is a hard <laughs> concept. We should be back, ideally, on Thursday, the 13th of February. Uh, we'll be taking Thursday, the 6th of February off. And there's a chance that Thursday, the 13th of February, will get compromised as well. Uh, in which case, we'll come back sometime after that. Uh, definitely no later than Thursday the 20th, probably. So uh, we'll, we'll come back, probably definitely by, by around then. Um, so, sorry, sorry for the interruption in service. We try to minimize how often this happens. But, uh, and in I, fact, I think we've, been, we've done a pretty good job of not missing any weeks for, I think, more than a year now. But uh, nothing to be done about it this time. So, uh, Anyways, this week, main topic. We've got some kind of mini topics that we'll cover uh, and have some, have some takes on. And we are definitely interested in hearing your opinions as well, so let us know on Twitter or Patreon or where, wherever you'd like to post some comments. Um, but let's, I guess, chug right through here and thank our illustrious friends and good friends of the podcast. Our illustrious friends are Kikijiki, Winchester, Kyle, and Mooster's <laughs> Bot, the Shenanigans Detector, uh, and Jecha MT. Our good friends of the podcast are Zach, Beep, Adam, Britton, Kyle, Caroline, Eric, Sam, Duncan, Baptiste, Wilson, Tobias, Paul, Jarvis, Kielbasa, you, Booster Therapy, Greg, Hot Soup, Ari, Ari, Phil, Rob, Matthew, and Will. Uh, Benjamin, what is a kielbasa? Uh, it's kind of sausage. Ah, I, I, I think I would have landed on that as my guess, yes. I mostly know it from the Tenacious D song. Okay. I'm finding it a little weird that tristan didn't know what kielbasa was yeah, yeah i also he like kind of made me doubt myself because i thought it was like a common thing like do i not know what a kielbasa is like you know i i don't consume you know complicated sausages very often for the most part it's a hot dog or wait what is a simple sausage which is what one more you have to say anything other than the word sausage or the words hot and dog uh, or maybe sometimes I... the words corn and dog uh back I when i was like... in school Sam, a simple sausage is one where you can shrink a loop around the sausage to a simple to a single point. Oh, that, I see. That that is some math nerd stuff. And yeah, we do plus actually ten have, points plus ten points to anyone who gets that joke. We do actually have a nice math nerd question for uh, lined up as a question of the week, but we won't cover it this week. We'll we'll cover it when we return, and then after that, we we are out of Patreon slash Twitter questions. So uh, the Wait. doors, the floodgates are now openable, and you can start sending them in again. What question of the week are we doing instead? We're not going to do one this week. We'll just, what? uh, well, because the one we do have requires you to kind of read an article first, and you haven't done that yet, so I don't want to oh, put you right, on the yeah, spot fair. about doing that. No, that's um, a good, good reason. <laughs> all right. Because um, I forgot to, <laughs> forgot to prepare you for it. So, anyways, that's, that's what we're going to do. Let's then advance to our favorite segment, card of the week. Benjamin, what is your card of the week? My card of the week is Ox of Agonis. Ox of Agonis costs three red red for a creature ox. It is a 4-2. When it enters the battlefield, discard your hand, then draw three cards. It has escape red red. Exile eight other cards from your graveyard. And Ox of Agonis escapes with a plus one plus one counter on it. So it escapes to a 5-3. 
Now, there was a lot of buzz around this card when it was first spoiled because it is sort of obviously like drawing cards is powerful, casting spells from your graveyard is powerful, making spells cheaper is powerful, and this card kind of combines all of them together. Um, and I have been trying to play this card a fair bit in Pioneer, and I have decided that it is not very good in Pioneer and probably also Standard. Uh, I've found that eight cards in a graveyard is actually just a very large number of cards to have in your graveyard. It is not easy to get them there uh, when you're try like without trying. And I've found that just casting this card for five mana is very unexciting. It is just a pretty weak card uh, on the the front half, even though like drawing three cards seems like it would normally be a good thing to do. I just haven't really found this card to be effective. At, at five mana, you could be playing Glorybringer, or you know you could be playing like Experimental Frenzy, and those cards are like much more powerful, uh, like. Frenzy is a more powerful draw engine. Glorybringer is a more powerful tempo play. Um, and my attempts to sort of make this card work from the graveyard have not worked out because eight, as I said, is a big number. It requires a lot of work to put in. And the problem is once you put all the work in, what you get is to draw three cards. And that does not easily translate to winning the game when you have to build your deck to put in a bunch of work to put Ox of Agonis into play. Um, so like drawing Seder Wayfinder and like some other mill card and a land is not really like a good payoff. And like a five, three or a four, two is not, those stats are nothing to write home about either. So I've decided that I don't think this card is very good. Um, it is probably busted in dredge though. Like when you can play the actual dredge mechanic, when it's not difficult to put eight cards in your graveyard and that deck is already red to begin with, as opposed to the current pioneer dredge decks that are green and black then it's probably busted, but I will pass on it in the more recent standard formats. Yeah, Same. the creature you get here is so bad, too. I yeah. That's, like, a big thing that matters a lot. 4-2 dies to Shock, 5-3 dies to Lightning Strike. It's just, you know, man. And, and Bedlam Reveler was so beefy and, and big. Yeah. All right, Sam, what is your card of the week? My card of the week is City of Shadows, which is a land from the dark. Uh, it has tap, sacrifice one of your creatures, but remove it from the game instead of placing it in your graveyard. Put a counter on City of Shadows. Tap, add X colorless mana to your mana pool, where X is the number of counters on City of Shadows. And I have a little bit of a bone to pick with the City of Shadows here, and that is that uh, this card, as written, as I just read it, says the word sacrifice on it. It has, however, since been errated to have tap exile a creature you control, put a storage counter on it. And I think it should retain its sacrifice functionality because there are now a bunch of cards that actually care when you sacrifice a creature. So I, I think it's kind of lame that it doesn't work this way. Yeah, I agree. As, as one who really enjoys sacrificing things, especially with Mayhem Devil, I agree. And, like, it's fine that it doesn't trigger, you know, death triggers or whatever. That doesn't bother me. I just think it should still be a sacrifice effect. Yeah, just make sacrifice into exile a phrase that has meaning, just like hexproof from black is a phrase that, phrase that has meaning, right? Sure, why not? Exactly. I think this is, the, this is like, an errata that oversteps. You can do some crazy stuff with that wording. <laughs> sacrifice into your hand. 
<laughs> Man, I just love sacrificing my whole deck into my hand sometimes. Um, <laughs> all right. Um, my card of the week is Master Warcraft. It is two, a red and a white hybrid, and another red and white hybrid. For an instant that you can only cast before attackers are declared, you choose which creatures attack this turn, you choose which creatures block this turn, and how those creatures block. Uh, this is from Ravnica City Correct. of Guilds. Yep, originally. Uh, and I've selected. Card. Yep. Well, I know it's a Boros card, but Boros cards have been in three different, uh, I guess more than three actually, different sets since then. So. Um, anyways, this is my card of the week because this is what will be causing our show to be not on the air next week and uh, maybe the week following. Probably just, probably just next week, though, uh, because I will be busy casting a Warcraft event. So. Uh, for 16 hours a day for about two weeks, uh, a bunch of gamers are getting together to try and clear a new dungeon uh, in World of Warcraft as fast as possible. And uh, our American heroes are going to be the team that I'm going to be commentating for, trying to take down the Europeans for the first time in seven years or something. Um, I think they got a pretty good shot at this time, so if you're interested in, in checking that out, uh, it'll be at twitch.tv slash complexity, and I'll be casting some of the time there. Uh, if you have no idea what Warcraft is, though, or you don't like the idea of people gaming for 16 hours a day for two weeks, um, then it may not be for you. Um, Tristan, are you familiar with the phrase, those who cannot do cast? I'm not familiar with that phrase, no. Okay. Um, <laughs> nor I, I, I can get the gist of it, though, pretty quickly, actually, without having to ask for further clarification. <sighs> All right, let's move on to our main topic, which this week is a series of main topics. We're going to start off with worlds, as it is fast approaching, uh, and we often give wizards a lot of flack for various, you know, organized play decisions that we don't like, or card design choices that we don't like, uh, but I think it's important to praise them when things are done well, especially when they come up with a cool innovation, and I believe that the pick your champion thing that they have going on right now for worlds, um, much as you may have seen similar things like this in, in other, you know, esports uh, at times is a very cool thing to be adding to Magic Arena and to the World Championships. So the way this works, if, you, if you're not aware of it, uh, is you can select one champion on your Magic Arena account, uh, and then if they win, you get six rares, a sleeve, and a trophy pet, uh, all the way down to your, you guaranteed at least the sleeve and one rare, depending on how poorly they do, uh, of the 16 competitors. So a very cool way to choose, um, you know, a way to add some engagement as a viewer to the tournament yeah i like you know people become more emotionally invested in things when they i'm not going to say wager on a tournament or portion of a tournament because i suppose there's nothing at stake but you know it's fun to to say like oh if this person wins i'll get something and now you become more invested and you care more and you watch more maybe yeah i think it's safe to describe it as having skin in the game even if not like very much yeah not a ton and not not it's not a big deal if you win or lose this but it gives you it definitely gives you a little more of a rooting interest is it against the rules to have multiple different magic arena accounts i don't think so. i don't know i have no idea all right well assuming that's not against the rules if you're somebody who's like planning on maybe playing arena sometime in the future but you haven't started on any of your accounts or on an account yet you know, just go ahead and make 16 accounts, right? One for each of these potential champions. And then whichever of them wins, you just play that account and you have a cool trophy uh, on it, so. Couldn't you, like, spend your time doing something that you found enjoyable rather than creating 
17, 16 accounts on Arena, or like even something you don't find enjoyable that pays you in money. Sam, don't kink shame Tristan. And then spending that money on Arena. No, you don't have to spend any money, right? You, oh, yeah, yeah, okay. No, I'm saying if you, instead of spending your time registering Arena accounts, did some kind of economic activity, like mowing lawns or whatever, or maybe even just going outside and looking for money for loose change on the pavement, wouldn't your hourly potentially just be better? Well, this, it's not about the monetary value, right? It's about the fun of, you know, having a cool trophy that you earned. Oh, because you can't yes. get the trophy any other way? Earned. Uh, I'm actually not sure if it's in the store. It, look, it looks, maybe it is. Not sure. Okay, well, then at least there is a reason to do this insane thing that you're talking about. But... Uh, Look, this I I don't I don't like the the idea that we're trying to shame people for how they choose to spend their time. Yes, yeah, certainly. I mean, okay, cl- clearly this is a ridiculous thing to do, but um, I'm I'm glad that it tricked Sam into engaging with it. So <laughs> you gotta love that. Let's talk a little well, bit about. Also, you won't be invested in any individual person, right? If just whoever wins your account gets gets the thing. But maybe like it, you like kind of well, no, you, you probably cheer the... for whichever one you have the coolest account name associated with, right? Like that's kind of your way of still having a little bit of skin in the game, right? Wait, you're not going to name them like Paulo Champion? How are you going to even remember which one is which? I think you can actually name them all the same thing, and then they just get assigned different hashes, right? Ooh, okay, yeah, okay. So the, you know, you just but you still have to remember the email associated with. Them. Well, yeah, you just write down a little notepad document or whatever. You just get sixteen emails and sixteen passwords or whatever. Um... And... All right, I've come around on it. I think I'm going to do this. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, well, make sure to use different passwords for each one. You don't want there to be, like, a vulnerability. What? You don't care about any of them getting uh, logged into. You just change the one password from a, a an insecure one on the account you actually want to start playing afterwards. <laughs> All right, um, let's, let's advance to talking well about... Well done on, on stretching that out for as long as we did, by the way. I'm rather impressed. <laughs> Um, let's talk about the 16 competitors we have here in Worlds. So, uh, Sam, do you want to highlight some people that you think are especially, uh, worth noting in this tournament? Uh, sure. Well, I mean, I would say everyone in this tournament. Uh, of course. Is... Oh, well played. Like, uh, of course, it's, you know, it's, it's, this, it's a, a very elite 16 here. Um, you, you either had to win a tournament or part do very well at multiple tournaments. So the qualification criteria for people who don't know, which would be easy to not understand the current magic organized play system are you either had to win a pro tour or worlds. So that was eight people that, that those people are autumn Burchett, um, John Emmanuel Dupre, Matthias. Uh, I don't know how to pronounce his last name. Well, anyway, Lavunga on, on, on things, uh, Torolf Severin, Andre Strosky, uh, Javier Dominguez, Piotr Glugowski. That's only seven. Who am I missing? Eli Loveman. Eli Loveman. There we go. Um, and so, so it's those eight people plus the top four mythic point earners from the MPL. That is Paulo Vitor Damodorosa, Marcio Carvalho, uh, Andrea Mangucci, and Seth Manfield. And the four top Mythic Points earners not in the MPL. That's Sebastian Pozzo, Gabriel Nassif, Andre Strasky, and Chris Kavartek. So 
Um, it's kind it's of interesting. No, no, it's it's uh, in the oh Rath no, Le- I said right. Sorry, it's Levy, not yeah. yeah it's, it's Levy, not Strasky. Um, I was just thinking non MPL. Uh, so it's it's an interesting mix of people because the 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 points earners really had to perform well over the course of the entire year, and you know had a ton of mythic points, whereas the individual event winners, you know, kind of got. I would say the slightly easier path, not that any of the paths are particularly easy. Um, so were I, you know, when, when I, if I were making power rankings, I would bias towards the point earners, the people who did very well in that category uh, with sort of the, the caveat that Javier Dominguez was the highest point earner by a lot, even though he won an event. Uh, he, he just, had, he had like double, right? Yeah. He, he had like, something like double or 1.5 times the next person. Cause he, not only did he win, he won a, uh, he won worlds last year. That's why he's qualified originally, but then he also won an arena MC top eight at a, a tabletop pro tour top eight at another arena MC. Like he just went off this year. So he really, I think had easily the best year of any of these competitors. So he would be, uh, my clear sort of pick for hottest player right now. Um, I guess Paula would be my pick for sort of just generically the best player in the field. Yeah, goatiest, perhaps. Yeah, I, I, I have akin to a goat. Yeah, yeah. I, I think Paula and Paula is also preparing with Andre and Sifka, the the, the whole Czech House team, uh, who you know tend to do very very good work. So I would expect for them to come very well prepared with an excellent deck. Benjamin, any any uh, players you'd like to especially highlight as well? Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> I think if I had to pick one, I would pick Paolo. Uh, Luckily, you do have to pick one. Yeah, well, yeah. Um, mostly also just because I, you know, we're friends and I want him to win because I enjoy watching him play and I think he is one of the best Magic players of all time. Um, and I think Worlds is going to be a blast to watch. I always love watching it every year because I love watching magic and I unfortunately have to play in most of the tournaments that are broadcast. So I don't get to watch them, but worlds is always the special one. Uh, worlds is one that you're never unlucky enough to have to play. Yeah, it's true. It's true. And so I'm looking forward to it. Uh, I also, I think I'm going to try to enjoy, I'm sure canister will have some shenanigans or some nonsense going on. And uh, he's always a fun player to watch. Um, yeah. Yeah, Levy and Nassif, also notable for, you know, kind of long-term Magic players uh, that are in this this event on, like, not in the MPL <laughs> for their points. Um, so cool to see them making their way into. I would also yeah. want to give a specific shout-out. We are talking about people to watch to uh, Chris Kavartek. I think he came from sort of no completely unknown player. I'd certainly never heard of him before this year and just put together an incredible year where he qualified for multiple uh, arena mythic championships, top eight at a tabletop pro tour. And he he just crushed it all year. And I'm, I've been really impressed with that in sort of, a system that I would say has generally felt kind of unfair to me, he managed to succeed in, and I think that's pretty cool. All right, I'm looking at his bio on the magic.gg page, and I might have some insight into this. 
one of the four bullet points next to him is loves green decks. Yeah, that that'll help. It's, yeah, it's in been a good, good year to love green decks. That, so that, that, good year for green mages. Certainly, <laughs> certainly has not uh, hurt him. All right, let's move on to our next mini topic here, which is uh, a pioneer topic. One thing we get asked, well, one thing we see a lot on Twitter is people advocating for allied colored pain lands, uh, like a darker waste, to be added to the pioneer format to help reduce the uh, the power gap between the enemy colored and ally colored land cycles that are available in the format. Uh, Sam, what is your take on this suggestion? This is some real nonsense. <laughs> like, one, who cares what which color has more or less of the thing right now? It just doesn't matter that much. I would even go so far as to say it's probably upside to have it be this way. It adds some some texture to the format, makes things a little different. Like, when you're considering which decks to play, the mana bases are not all pre-built for you, where, you know, you just sort of pick your speed and then pick which of the cycle of dual lands you play with. Um, you know, you, you might have to consider, like, oh, I really want to play, you know, a green-white aggressive deck. Can I can I support mana confluence? Can I do things to, to like mitigate the downside of that card? Um, I, I think that adds a lot of fun texture to the format before we get to the point that it is completely crazy to add cards to a format that aren't there natively, at least to me. I think like one of the big things that magic formats have going for them that, that non legacy formats have going for them are the sort of, fidelity and true like this is a representation of magic cards from this era and once you go breaking that i think once you break that seal the illusion is kind of shattered um like whenever i see what i describe as fake cards like commander cards or cards that you know supplementary release cards show up in legacy i kind of just roll my eyes because it feels it doesn't it doesn't have the same feel to me as an expression of uh, a coherent set of designs. It, it just feels completely different to me. Benjamin, how about you? Yeah, I agree with Sam. Like, what? Just pick and choosing cards to add to a format seems not sustainable and not. It's it's not a good precedent to set because okay, you you decide to just you add a darker waste to Pioneer. Why not? some other random rare from Cons of Tarkir. Or not Cons of Tarkir, because that one's probably actually legal. But, like, some random rare from, um, you know, Innistrad. Why not add Snapcaster Mage to Pioneer? You know, will it improve the format? Maybe. Maybe the format will be more fun. But, like, this process of, like, pick and choosing cards to add is not something that you can do in a repeatable fashion because the the burden is too high on the on the, like, organizing body, right? Like, to, to, to pick the exact subset of cards from Magic's past that should get added to Pioneer is not a re- realistic thing to do. I mean, they, it, they also kind of do this. They release a set every three months, and it's added to Pioneer. Yeah, the, to me, the, adding a Darker Waste to Pioneer, like, I think the agitation for it is more kind of trying to get Wizards to print a Darker Waste in a future set, or, you know, to print something into Pioneer. Because Wizards does this, right? They do print cards for formats to... Uh, address problems in format and if players have identified that like hey you know there are color combinations that i feel like are underpowered and i would like to play the the spells in them but i feel like i can't support the mana base in them i think it would be reasonable for wizards to choose to print 
you know, some extra ways for blue-white decks to make mana. Um, but I agree that just, you know, blanket changing legality on cards in without printing them in a, in a set in the format uh, is not the way. The, there's, like, safeguards when you print, right? Like, when you print cards, that's, like, a long, involved process where a lot of people are very invested because there's a lot of friction. It's very difficult to do, so they make sure that they do it right. If you decide that you can just add cards to a set, that's not like a... There's no reason why that has to be difficult. There's no reason why there has to be, like, an investment of time to make sure you're doing it right. And so there very likely wouldn't be. <laughs> and so it's just... it's. I think printing cards to add them to Pioneer, like, is a, is a good... Obviously, it's a good thing. It's a thing that's going to happen. Everyone agrees that's why Magic is great. And it's very, very different from just choosing cards to add to Pioneer. And I think that's that's something that a lot of the people advocating to just add it don't get. Because they probably think, like, oh, you know, they'll probably just print it in a few months anyway. What's the problem with just adding it right now? Well, <laughs> it's about precedent, and it's about they're not being the right well and it, it kind of destroys the legitimacy of the format right like the format stops being no i i don't think it would do that like I well think, it, i think it would have negative implications on like knowing which cards are in the format you know you just have uh i mean it, that's true it, it would be hard to know which cards are legal yeah i don't know if destroy i don't think destroys is, I think damage, destroys right? is too strong but it definitely damages like Imagine you're trying to explain to someone what's in Pioneer right now. You go, okay, well, it's the cards that were printed. You know, it, it's uh, it's the cards that were printed in Return to Ravnica and Forward, and these are the cards that are banned. And that's like a nice, simple explanation. You know, d not not too complicated. But and then also the welcome deck cards, and then right also... then you're, then you're like, well, it's the cards that were printed since Return Return to Ravnica, uh, plus also the Adarkar Waste Cycle from Ice Age. And also uh, the Scars of Mirrodin Fastlands. And that, that's that's just... That doesn't seem sustainable or, like, a reasonable way to describe a format to me. Yeah, I mean, if Wizard wants to make, like, a... Sup if they want to print a supplemental product, like Pioneer Masters or whatever, uh, that's certainly within their purview, and I don't think that would be a bad way to have them choose to, do, to add these cards to a format, but I, I think that just changing legality... Yeah. I mean, I wouldn't mind if we chilled on the master sets for a little bit, personally. Right. I mean, I, I'm not saying I want one. I'm just saying that I think that that would be the, the closest way to, you know, changing at darker ways from illegal to legal that I would accept. Yeah, I agree with that. I think in general, like, the people who advocate for these changes just really underestimate the impact on, like, newer or, like, less enfranchised players. Like you said, Sam, like, you're trying to describe this to a new player who wants to play Pioneer. And also a darker waste is legal. Like what? <laughs> yeah, especially imagine if they hadn't heard of a darker waste. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, well, this card you've never heard of is legal, and they're like, why? Well, it's more powerful than this other blue white dual land that you could play with, even though there's no like, you know, it's more powerful than Port Town, but you're not allowed you're not allowed to play with like a green blue port town, because that doesn't exist. So we couldn't add that one to the format. <laughs> <laughs> hopefully it never will uh, yeah those cards are really bad I hate those lands those are lands <laughs> are my least favorite lands of any they, cycle they are really not powerful like when you sign up for the cycling lands you know what you're signing up for like you know your land will come into play tapped 
with the the shadows over Innistrad lands, it's like, well, you know, sometimes they'll come into play untapped, but sometimes they won't. Yeah, I, I agree. Those those ones are really, really weak. Uh, all right, let's move on to our next topic here. This came up from a tweet. Uh, I believe the tweet was from, yeah, Andrew Ellenbogen, who said, Proposal. What if the booster packs used for drafting were simply distinct from the regular boosters in a way similar to the collector's boosters? This would solve the Glorybringer slash Dream Trawler limited issue while letting Wizards make as many of these cards as they desire. Uh, Sam, you've had some Twitter replies to this one. I'll let you either uh, rehash one of those or give a new take in response to this proposal. Um, Yeah, so I guess I will push back on the notion that this is a problem. To me, I think this that opening busted cards in limited can be a really good experience for newer players. Limited is a, is really intimidating, just sort of innately, and having a way for a newer player to uh, to give themselves an opportunity to win in spite of not not knowing what's good, not being as you know as good as the other players in the draft is a really, really valuable thing that I think is not to be underrated. Um, I think also just having a range of experiences is fun. It's really fun at a pro tour to be like, here's a busted rare. I hope I open it. You know, you know, think, think of a busted rare and hope to open it. I know that I like for the last pro tour, this was kind of a joke, but it, it, it did meaningfully make the pro tour more fun for me. I brought a bunch of, um, the tokens that are made by I'm trying to remember the name of the card outlaws merriment that may, you know, makes three different tokens. Yeah. I brought them all with me to the tournament site and I was like, you know, I got, I'm re- I'm ready. I'm going to open outlaws merriment. And then I didn't, but it was fun for me to think about and talk about. I like that was a meaningful value add to the tournament for me. It made it more fun. Uh, and I think it would, it would be unfortunate to lose that. Yeah, I think that powerful cards in packs and drafts add a lot to the game and, you know, smoothing that out. Uh, there are some formats where Wizards overshot with the power of, of rares. You know, formats like Fate Reforged are ones that we people would refer to and be like, yeah, you know, this, this format, just there are a bunch of broken rares that uh, make the game kind of binary about them. But most of the time, I think Wizards lands in a fairly good place where rares are strong and it's better to have them than to not have them. But you know, they're interesting and fun too, and they add variety to the draft. It's also really, really satisfying to overcome good rares. Yeah, yeah. that's what I was, I, that's what I was going to say. I, I actually, at the pre-release, I played against someone who had multiple dream trawlers and cast multiple of them in a single game. And I was still able to beat it. And that's just a cool story that I get to tell my friends and like, we get to talk about and laugh about and, I don't know, that experience was really cool to me. Um, I think that is an underrated thing about like these bomb rares in, in Limited. And, you know, Wizards is just not optimizing for like every level of competitive play, right? In fact, they don't optimize for most levels of competitive play, I would say. <laughs> um, and so, Sam, your point about making sure that newer players have a way to feel good about limited is really important. And then lastly, I'll say that this just doesn't happen often enough to warrant having these separate booster packs. It's like a huge logistical change. Like I bet you that the change to make separate collector boosters 
was a very, very long drawn out process, like in the company, like very difficult, I bet, because that like to just churn out a new product like that seemed like is not a trivial thing to do. And this like busted rare thing just doesn't happen very often to warrant some drastic change like that. Like, like the examples given were Glorybringer and Dream Trawler, and how many years apart have, were those, <laughs> right? Yeah, that's a great point. I hadn't even really thought about that, but that's very true. <laughs> those cards did not did not come that recently. And also, I don't even think Glorybringer is a good example. I thought Glorybringer, like, it's very good. It was one of the best cards you could possibly have in that limited format, but it did just die to like a removal spell. And maybe they got a two-for-one, and that's obviously really strong, but it does, that doesn't seem like, you know, uh, we need to, to fundamentally change the game of Magic because this happened to somebody. Yeah. Yeah, I think also you're, the, another, you know, another big logistical drawback with this is that when you go to a game store to buy booster packs or whatever, it's pretty easy right now for players to say, do I want a collector's pack or do I want a regular pack, right? Regular pack is just what you want most of the time, unless you're looking for some weird alt art stuff. But if you added this differentiation here, I think it would add a lot more confusion at the level of like purchasing magic packs, um, you know, buying the wrong kind of pack for whatever you're up to, uh, accidentally buying just a regular box and, you know, trying to draft it with your friends or drawing a dra- tra- buying a draft box uh, that therefore is worth way less money. Uh, and, you know, cha- changing the value of those packs that way, I think, would be a negative ramification of this. That yeah. Also imagine <clears throat> imagine the people who draft in order to build collections, and they're just not allowed to open rares that are good. Yeah. So like the... Im- imagine like going to your local store and drafting week after week, and then you get a collection, and you like use that to build a constructed deck, but you just can't. You don't just don't get to play with Glorybringer because you can't open it. Yeah, I mean, to be, to be fair, there would be people who would be happy with like cheaper drafts that was just for drafting and not having to worry about the whole, you know, magic finance aspect of expensive cards that matter for constructed impacting their draft experience. Like I think that that there would be some upside there for, for some, but uh, I believe that it would be overwhelmingly downside. All right. Yeah. I, I also think it is worth noting that, I've I've lost my train of thought. I'm sorry. Just delete it. <laughs> All right. Consider it <laughs> just noted it. that you lost your train of thought. Ben, ben get Ben gets one. <laughs> ben didn't I, get a delete. Like... What do you mean? Nobody nobody will have heard that, but everybody's gonna hear this. Wow, that's <laughs> this is savage. <laughs> I had something really good to say too, but now I just, I just totally there's lost no it. way of verifying that. I had something to say anyway. Yeah. Okay. There might there that might be true. All right. Um. That, I think, is our, our mini-topic for this week. Again, sorry for the short episode. Um, and sorry for missing next week, but that's what that's what's going to happen. We'll be back, hopefully, in two weeks. Sam, would you like to close us out here with a story? Oof, after that embarrassing performance, I guess I can try. Yeah, redeem yourself. Yeah, old, old man yeah. Sam's here to tell us a long-winded story <laughs> about, yeah. about his days in the war. Really? Okay, so this story comes to you from the Two-Headed Giant pre-release. Uh, I was playing with Caroline, and sorry, we, we had. Oh, sorry. Uh, oh man, I can't even say it. Nyler, We didn't even do Nylorac. that this week. <laughs> That's the last. Oh week no, that was now. last week. Yeah. Oh shoot. <laughs> well, anyway, um, I was playing with with Caroline, 
And she had done, I think, like four or five other pre-releases before this. We we did this one was on Sunday, and she played like Friday night. I guess she just done two. She played Friday night and Saturday. Um, so she had already sort of made a small collection for herself of the the fancy new basic lands, and I was using them. But she didn't. We 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 ended up with a black red deck and a blue white deck, and I was two islands short from the stack that she had handed me. I I you know I think I was playing like an uh, nine nine eight mana base and i was playing nine islands i only had seven of the nice ones so i just went and got two from the store no big deal then in our first game i play both of my ugly non theros beyond death islands and caroline even like looks over and I, I didn't tell her that i did this and she comments she's like oh you had to play with the the bad islands because i didn't have enough that sucks and after the match our opponents graciously offer to give me two of the islands so that my deck would would be all nice theros beyond Deathlands, and i'm like oh great you know thanks that's so nice and then caroline goes oh here let's trade like i'll you know i'll give you two other ones two of my other ones in exchange and she pulls out a stack that just has a bunch of islands in it <laughs> <laughs> so it looked to, to me like we had just conned our opponents out of the, out of their you know nice theros beyond Deathlands. <laughs> I was sort of expecting her to trade two other lands out of your deck for them. <laughs> <laughs> that would have also been very funny and acceptable. But... Uh, that is going to be all for us this week. We will unite again in two weeks for more. Allied Strategies. I, at some just... point, I would be interested to hear your guys' opinions about grind, the grind and mental health, because I feel like I have an unpopular stance, and I'm curious to talk to people I begrudgingly respect at some point. Uh... Well, if we find any people who respect you, we can send them your way. That that wasn't a requirement. But... Yeah, they, uh, Ben respects them, not... Oh, uh... okay. <laughs> so, so there's one well, of then those I, here. Then I just yeah. said something mean to you for no reason, Ben. <laughs> <laughs> You'd think I would apologize, but yet we are. No, I I wouldn't think that. <laughs> <laughs>